Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. The linebacker position post J.J. Watt. Yes, I know Watt doesn't play that position, but his signing certainly impacts what the Cardinals might do at that position as we resume our position-by-position breakdown ahead of free agency, which is now just over a week away. But first, remembering March 1st. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 401, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, pop, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Well, it was one week ago today, MJ. We were all stunned, shocked, surprised, whatever adjective you want to attach to it to convey that feeling. The Cardinals had signed J.J. Watt. I'm still feeling the effects, the euphoria, if you will. But we are one week into the J.J. Watt era, if you will. And let's see. Let's pull the curtains back a little bit. I think just the excitement now. We can't say we're in the building, but you can just sense it um, based on the, the uh, press conferences throughout the course of the week. The J.J. Watt command in the room, pros pro. And, and, and anytime he tweets something out, it could be a water bottle from Gatorade with his name on there. And that is that was what he tweeted out most recently, I guess. Um, you know, you're like, he, he he's still wearing that Cardinals T-shirt, so this is still happening. You know, what I tried to do is – over the weekend, just go back and look at some of the different stories nationally. I, I read a lot last week, but I have this um, where I can just put stories in there and read them later. I'm sure we all do. And, and it was it was interesting, good, better, and different. I mean, people will talk about the age. They'll talk about the uh, 32 games missed in the last five years. But if you just look at the, the body of work from J.J. Watt, it's, it's remarkable where he stands – and again, I know it's, it's good. we're going to judge him on what he does the next couple of years, but um, I thought Bucky Brooks, I sent you that story. He was very complimentary, and he thinks this is, uh, you know, can be one of the most potent duels from a D lineman and an outside linebacker in Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. So I did some reading, but uh, it's happening. Yeah, it's it, it happened, and now we're enjoying the fruits, if you will, but we'll have to wait to see it on the field. That Bucky Brooks article on NFL.com talking about Watt and Chandler Jones and how aggressive Vance Joseph is as far as dialing up the pressure. Of course, he had to do it a little bit more last year because of no Chandler Jones. But speaking of the Cardinals defensive coordinator, in case the Bird Gang might have missed it, last week's Big Red Rage had Vance Joseph on. It can be found in the archives or on azcardinals.com. But the first opportunity to hear from the man who is going to be responsible, if you will, for a J.J. Watt, where do you line them up? Do you pair them with a Chandler Jones? Do you line them up opposite each other? Vance talked about all of that. And a couple of interesting points. One, and this is something that I had, I don't really know too much about Watt, but I'm learning more. And he almost has that... Tom Brady-esque vibe, if you will, as far as always feeling like he was never good enough. And by that, I mean a two-star recruit. He was forced to walk on at Wisconsin after one season at Central Michigan. He wasn't a top 10 pick. Yes, he was a first-round selection. But he has that 
proverbial chip on his shoulder that Brady still to this day bothers him and fuels him. And now with people discussing Watt with respects to, you know, he's older, maybe they overpaid for him. This all plays a factor in what we might see out of 99 this year. And that's why I believe he's hitting the reset button on his career. I mean, from this point out, and, you know, it was interesting, Craig, after you and I had that conversation last week, which in fairness to you, you listened to the Adam Schefter podcast with J.J. Watt. We were hearing a lot more about J- uh, Reggie White. And it's fascinating, just the comparison. Um, it's a good listen. Definitely check it out. I mean, Vance Joseph, we enjoy talking to him every Thursday during the season. You learn a lot just by listening um, yes, it's a little bit in the weeds when it comes to the three technique, five technique, seven technique. Um, but one of the other things I was able to take away is, you know, we know that he played over a thousand snaps last year and we know that he played 91 percent of those snaps. And, you know, he didn't put up the numbers he normally does. But here he's going to have a lot more talent around him. And, you know, I do think he'll be a three, four defensive end in their base defense. And then when you start looking at some of their nickel and dime packages, I think they're going to move them around three technique, five technique, seven technique. And so it's going to be interesting. Do we see both line up on the same side? But Vance was also talking about quality over quantity here. And that was possibly, you know, they don't want him to play over a thousand snaps, but it's going to be hard to take him off the field. He is such a competitor and doesn't want to miss any time whatsoever. So now is when you have those discussions, hey, we want you to be fresh Weeks 12, 13, 14, 15, we don't need you to go 100 miles an hour week one. Kind of pace yourself a little bit. The other aspects of this signing that we didn't really discuss a lot about, we focus on the sacks, the pressures, the knockdowns, but what Watt might be able to do, especially if you move him inside, is to help that run defense. And that is something Vance Joseph brought up as well on last week's Big Red Rage because that really bothers him. The Cardinals finish in the bottom third as far as rush defense, and what is one thing that Vance always talks about? It always begins, stop the run each and every week. You don't have to be, you know, top five, top ten, but you got to be much improved than sitting there between 20 and 32, and the Cardinals were 22 and 25 as far as yards allowed per game, yards allowed per play. There's just a downward spiral effect when you stop in the run. I mean, all of a sudden now, you know, is a team third and seven? Well, they got to bring in their probably 10, 11 personnel. And that means you get a chance to get after the quarterback. So in the first and second down, he always talks about that too, where, you know, put, you know, maybe two yards versus three or four yards. Now it's second and eight. And the whole idea is to put them in, you know, passing situations where they can tee off and, and, you know, over the years, I've mentioned, you have to have that guy in the middle. You, Darnell Dockett, Calais Campbell, Corey Peters. Um, when Corey's in there, they're a better defense. I think we can say that. He showed it last year until he got hurt. He was getting sacks. He was getting tackled for losses. Don't look at the age. Just look at the experience there when it comes to Corey Peters. But they needed a guy. And, yes, you'd prefer a 27, 28-year-old guy. Um, you know, that's why when Calais left, he was 31 years old. He's still in the league and doesn't play every single snap. But the fact that J.J. Watt's going to create one-on-one matchups, tackle for losses, shutting the run game down, getting the quarterback off his spot, thats not, they haven't had that guy probably since Calais Campbell. And, the, and we've seen flashes of Corey Peters, different body type. Uh, but for the most part, he's really going to help that front seven. 
And then the leadership aspects, Vance Joseph brought it up. We heard from head coach Cliff Kingsbury late last week. Talk about that as well. And Vance Joseph always brings up this phrase, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it's always easier when your best players are your hardest workers. And you can set the example, and that's what a J.J. Watt does. Kingsbury, late last week, when asked about holding players accountable, even those will be the first time he walks into a locker room that is not the Houston Texans. He already has that aura, that respects immediately. Quote, I would say that J.J. Watt has the type of presence where you don't want to let him down. I do think that can be a big component as to where we're headed next season. Certain aspects of the J.J. Watt signing that don't really reflect production and as far as, well, you're paying him for this. No, you're paying him for X, Y, Z, and then some. And it's that presence, leadership, holding players accountable, all that we talk about when things aren't going well. We're looking for reasons to explain why things didn't go well for the Cardinals last year. And a lot of it comes down to leadership, whether it was a lack of leadership or not. We can't say we weren't in there every single day, but it is a talking point. It has become part of the narrative when looking at the 2020 regular season. He will become an instant leader the day he walks in that locker room, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's in the meeting room, whether it's the way he practices. You know, if you've seen the guy over there sweating every day, well, maybe you're not putting the same effort as he is. And we know everything's on film. So, I mean, when you look at the signing, it checks a lot of boxes. It checks the fact that they gotten better um, with their first signing in the offseason. The fact that they're going to be a better run defense. The fact that they got a a one-two punch. And we haven't even really focused on Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker. And depending on what happens to the secondary and then just just about how he goes about his business. I mean, he's he's a hard worker. This guy, every time you see him, he's working out. So, um, yeah, I, I think he checks all the boxes. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. But I, I don't think because he hasn't been here before, um, this is first time here. And, you know, he's got the credentials on the wall. Three-time defensive player of the year. And, and we know the list, Leonard, Lawrence Taylor and Aaron Donald. That's a short list. So I don't think he's going to have to introduce himself to anybody Um, And now it's a matter of guys like Jordan Phillips, you know, um, being able to practice every day and being on the field because they'll be a better football team if they have more guys that are healthy. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, the only three-time defensive players in the NFL. That speaks volumes right there. And the Cardinals certainly believe that they have J.J. Watt, maybe not at the height of his playing career, but certainly he still has, as he said, a whole lot left in the tank, if you will. The first big move, first big splash of free agency for the Arizona Cardinals. And to keep track of all of the Cardinals moves this offseason, the free agency tracker is up. Go to azcardinals.com slash free agency. A great follow. Not only see what the Cardinals retain of their own free agents, but of course, who they might go after as we get closer and closer to the new league year which is next week, next Wednesday, March 17th. As we continue here on this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, the J.J. Watt signing kind of put a little bit of a, uh, what do you want to say, MJ, a a bump in the road, if you will, maybe a little small obstacle as we were going position by position leading into free agency, looking at what the Cardinals might do, where their needs were, And it's actually kind of good that we did not discuss the linebacker position 
pre-J.J. Watt because I do think his signing affects what the Cardinals will do with respect to whether it's an outside linebacker or inside linebacker. First things first, though, outside linebacker. And I think this is where a lot of the discussion fell late last week when you talk about the trickle down. You've got J.J. Watt, edge rusher, supremely talented. But the Cardinals do have two edge rushers who are set to become unrestricted free agents, Hassan Rennick and Marcus Golden. This debate has been talked about, but we're going to get more into it as far as the outside linebacker position is concerned. Cardinals right now, MJ, have two players under contract as far as outside linebacker, Chandler Jones and Devon Kennard. They also have Sharif Miller, Terrence Smith, Reggie Walker as future contracts. And then, of course, Kylie Fitz, who's an exclusive rights free agent. He most likely will be back. You've got Dennis Gardeck, who's a restricted free agent, but he's coming off a torn ACL, probably won't be ready until midseason, although we don't know that for certain. But given timetables on how long it takes for players to rehab, he is not, my guess, going to be available week one. So that's what the Cardinals have going forward. We do know that you always want to get better as far as some depth at outside linebacker. So let's discuss. You do have Devon Kennard. He was not as productive as the Cardinals were anticipating when they signed him last offseason. But there's Reddick out there and there's Golden out there as well as possible options for the Cardinals. You take a look at, you know, some of the Cardinals signings from a year ago and we were excited and then, you know, obviously when you get hurt and you're not on the field, then all of a sudden you look back and go, how much impact did this certain player have? I look at Jordan Phillips, you know, started off fine. I thought Kennard set up, started off fine setting the edge. Um, and then you look at, well, Chandler Jones was on the field for the first five games that when you have him out there. And then you look at Devondre Campbell, and I thought he did a good job on the tight ends. But two of those three, I think the Cardinals had higher expectations. So let's talk about the outside linebacker position. You know, you know how I feel about position uh, spending. And if Chandler Jones is making $20 million this year, 15 is his base salary, and then about $5 million uh, in prorated signing bonus, if you extend him, you can lower that contract number depending on, obviously, both coming to terms. But I think Hassan Reddick clearly is going to test free agency, and I've maintained when it comes to Patrick Peterson and Hassan Reddick, and there could be more, maybe a Calvin Beecham, that the Cardinals are going to say, hey, we want you back, but also, you know, the cap's going down. So go out there and see what you're worth, and they don't have to come back to the Cardinals to give them final offer, but find out what you're worth, and, you know, then we'll start talking hard numbers. But right now the Cardinals don't know the cap, just like all 31 other teams. And I think when you look at Marcus Golden, yes, he's a couple years older. He's 29. Um, He hasn't had the injury bug like he had in the past. I think he, his energy and what he brings in that locker room and in the, the rush defense, um, you know, he may be the option there. Um, you can't re-sign everyone. Now, probably at the end of the show, we'll get into the franchise tag because Cardinals do have some options there uh, if they want to retain a guy like Hassan Reddick, but we'll get into some of the details. But if I had a guess, um, I think all those guys I mentioned, Golden and Reddick, and we, we've talked about Patrick, I think they'll all test free agency and then we'll see what happens after that. But once you get the free agency, and for a couple of these guys, it's been the first time. Um, we know Golden's been through it. Uh, Reddick's first time. Patrick Peterson's first time. So it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Ahead of the J.J. Watt signing, it probably was more likely 
that either one or even both because of the ability to franchise or transition tag a player that Hassan Reddick and Marcus Golden would be back in an Arizona Cardinals uniform. Now it's less likely, as we discuss here on this Monday, March 8th. What happens tomorrow, the next day, who knows? But you brought it up. Let's just go over some of the details real fast. Franchise and transition tag. Those windows are open and will remain so through March 9th, though that might change. Don't want to get too far in the weeds, but that is what the window is right now. The Cardinals do have the option, one or the other, not both, as they did a year ago. But the franchise tag pays an average of the top five salaries at said position. Transition tag, the average of the top 10 salaries at said position. So for Hassan Reddick, because that's the one name that people keep bringing up, franchise tag probably in the neighborhood of 15 million, transition tag 13 million. It's a lot of money. Sir, you can do some massaging to the salary cap to make it happen, but the Cardinals certainly have a lot of holes that they want to fill this offseason to where probably not a smart idea, but at the same time, it is worth considering because everyone liked what Reddick was able to do last year. It's unfortunate that we had to wait until his fourth year. The fifth-year option declined, but he made the most of that move from inside to outside linebacker, the only player to rank in the top five in sacks, tackles for loss, and force fumbles. He is deserving whatever he can get on the market. And, of course, we would love to see him back. I just don't know if that's possible, especially in light of what the Cardinals did a week ago in signing J.J. Watt. I would agree with you. And the thing is, when when we start looking at that franchise tag, and you mentioned the deadline, which is Tuesday. Now, there are reports, not to get in the weeds, that they may have to push that back. And here's the reason why. Uh, The NFL hasn't hasn't come out and said it's official, but they are leaning with a 17-game regular season schedule. Okay? We'll worry about that, the schedule down the road. So in order for that, these teams want to know, you know, how much the salary cap is going to be. So I anticipate once we find out what the cap's going to be, we'll, we'll start to see some, some – you'll see a lot of a waiver or guys getting released. And, but right now, adding that 17th game, you have the NFLPA and the NFL negotiating the contract. Players are going to play an extra game. They, they usually get 17 checks during the year. This is going to be 18 weeks, only one bye week. So once they come up with that number, then I think we'll know and we'll see the Cardinals and every other team in the league start making moves. Now, one could be uh, Devin Kennard. I know he signed a, you know last year, but you know if you look at his cap number, is he a starter right now? I mean, let's be honest. If you're able to retain Golden or Reddick, I think he's going to be the guy, and then they still have the draft and everything else. So, um, you know, he could be a an option for a cap casualty. And again, I don't, I don't have any inside information, but I just look at the cap number in the production last year. And when I say that could be a June 1st, you can designate a player to get cut after June 1st for salary cap purposes. Um, but also that player can go out and try to find a new team in, in the meantime. The canard aspect of this conversation is interesting because looking back at how he ended the season, he had a calf injury. He spent one game on the reserve COVID-19 list. But you look at his snap count, especially over the last half of the season, he played more than 35% of the defensive snaps only once over the last eight games. And it was a real head scratcher because was it because he wasn't quite healthy? 
did testing positive take a little bit more out of him? Or was it the fact that other guys had surpassed him? I.e., like a Dennis Gardak, all of a sudden you want to give him more of an opportunity. Isaiah Simmons was playing a little bit more as well. That one is certainly something that I think not only does Kennard have to look at, but the coaching staff as well, because if he is back, he certainly provides some depth and he would be that outside edge rusher and outside linebacker if the Cardinals don't do anything as far as free agency is concerned. They could also look to address it in the draft. But Devon Kennard is an interesting piece to this puzzle, if you will, moving forward in 2021. And don't forget, once they lost Chandler Jones, I mean, they went out and made a trade. Uh, for Marcus Golden. I mean, you know, there was talk about possibly trying to sign Lorenzo Alexander, but the Cardinals didn't want to wait. They got him a couple weeks earlier before the deadline. Yeah, I mean, and then Dennis Gardeck, that's a great point. He started getting playing time, and then they were going with that jet package, and that you're bringing in pass rushers. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting now. You know, we don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but when you look at it, you can also restructure a contract. You can take a pay cut. But, Craig, I don't know if you can afford to pay uh, his upcoming salary to be a backup right now. I think it's going to have to, you know, again, um, we know he's a local guy. His father played for the Cardinals. Great guy. I mean, on and off the field. We didn't get a chance to be in a locker room, but just seems like a real down-to-earth person. Really is, a, you know, has outside interests in real estate and really impressive when I hear him speak. So you just wonder – you know, are they, is it, are they willing to say we want you back, but or is, or does he see the writing on the wall and wants another opportunity? Because now you see him bounce around a little bit. This is where you get the business and have to have some tough conversations. But you certainly going in right now, you would have Chandler Jones on one side, Devon Kennard on the other and J.J. Watt somewhere in a three technique. Also, whether that's on Jones's side or Kennard's side. So there are your three rushers as far as trying to get to the quarterback. There are some options in free agency. I think a lot of them, though, are a little bit maybe out of the market. Certainly Shaq Barrett, Bud Dupree, Jadavian Clowney is due to become an unrestricted free agent as well. There are some interesting names out there, and that might be one of those names maybe that we don't talk about that signs on a one-year deal just because they want to be with the Arizona Cardinals. I just don't know right now if that's a position that you want to touch in free agency, I'm more thinking perhaps maybe in the draft because if you look at some of these mock drafts that we talk about so often, Daniel Jeremiah and Todd McShay there have now done a number of different mocks, but a couple of their mocks have had a Gregory Rousseau out of Miami or a Jalen Phillips from Miami pegged to the Cardinals at number 16 if you want to address to try to get some help at an outside linebacker position younger but then maybe you bring them along in a little bit slower. I just had a flashback. When we were talking about the D linemen and you started mentioning who the guys were available, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, we threw his name out there. And then uh, as quickly as we threw his name out there, we kind of <laughs> quickly dismissed it as well, just because of how much it would appear to cost for a team to acquire a J.J. Watt. And then I did suggest that, hey, you know, if he wants to come on on a one-year deal or whatever or a cheaper option, by all means. But, yeah, that was a, that was a conversation that uh, we'll probably all live to regret. Well, you did say pick up the phone. Oh, yeah, it can't hurt to ask and, and see what, what it's going to take. Yes. That, and, and, and Steve said similar things, you know, when he was on 98.7 Newsmaker Week. Hey, once he became available, you know, we started looking at the film. And you said, hey, it can't hurt to pick up the phone. 
The reason why I say that Shaq Barrett, 28, um, likely get the franchise tag for his sake, probably wants a long-term deal, but they got to worry about Chris Godwin. Uh, it looks like Brady's going to take a little bit less. Imagine that to, to help out another, another chance to get another ring. Um, but Dupree's coming off an injury. Clowney's going to have to have surgery again. Um, you didn't see his name. You won't see his name because he's going to have to have another surgery. He could return to Tennessee if they were in the running for J.J. Watt, according to reports. Leonard Floyd, 28 years old, did a really nice job. Was a high draft pick in Chicago. Went out there and, you know, he got a chance to play with Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald, that's secondary. He did a, he's 28 years old. Matt Judane, um, Juden, Judon. At 28 at 28 years old, looks like, you know, he, Clayus Campbell isn't getting younger. Um, they got some guys get along a tooth there. He's at perfect age, 28. He's probably going to get paid. Now, the other guy is interesting, Melvin Ingram. You know, they, they've changed coaching staffs there. So you, you wonder, is, is he going to fit there? Uh, 31 years old. So I think some of these guys that, you know, not the guys that are 28 and 26, I think those guys are going to get paid. It's, it's not like every single guy is going to get a one-year deal, but I think when you look at that 31, 32, I think you can get a guy in a one-year deal as a situational pass rusher. Something to consider when you talk about free agency. And the other thing to consider when you're talking about the whole Hassan Reddick conversation is I know the numbers are out as far as what the Cardinals are paying J.J. Watt over this two-year period that he'll be playing as of right now. It's a, basically, you got to look at it as two years, $28 million. If he's very productive, then he'll earn $15.5 million per year that he's under contract. But you look at it and go, all right, an average of $14 million a year. Do I want to pay J.J. Watt a known commodity that amount? Or do I roll the dice and see if Hassan Reddick can do it again for a second season and transition tag him for about $13 million? That's what you're basically weighing if you're the Cardinals as far as whether to tag Hassan Reddick or look somewhere else or just say, you know what, outside linebacker, we're fine right now. Let's divert our attention and resources somewhere else. Well, let's go back a year ago at this time. I mean, it, we didn't know if the Cardinals were going to try to sign a long-term deal to Kenyon Drake. Clearly, you know, he was looking at two or three years. We know running backs have been devalued. Uh, there were some reports that other teams were going to throw a three-year deal at him. So when we woke up that morning, the Cardinals did tag Kenyon Drake at $8.4 million. And that chewed up a little bit of the cap. Uh, obviously, they still had Rook and his, uh, Kyler Murray and his rookie contract. They had acquired Hopkins at that point, got rid of David Johnson's contract. So there was some wiggle room there. Now, hypothetically, they could put the tag on Reddick. The only problem is I, if they put the tag on, that tells me they're going to tag them to trade them. Cardinals only have five draft picks. I know it's not fantasy football. There is more, more details. If you tag him, that counts against your cap. So all of a sudden that money comes, goes against the cap. Once the player signed the contract, a couple of years ago, Josh Norman was tagged. They took the cap off him. He ended up going to Buffalo. So you don't want to get too cute here. They've invested in Watt and how much money can you, put it outside linebacker. And I, again, I think golden could be a more uh, realistic option and then try to bring Chandler's tag down and then try to fill out the, uh, the depth there. Again, as you pointed out, Gardex probably not going to be available until late in the year. And then, you know, Kylie Fitz, he's a, he's a really good depth guy. Uh, he's, he's, um, he's exclusive, right? So they'll make him a tender and Gardex again is a restricted free agent. 
Curious to see what the Cardinals try to bring him back at, but he won't be ready until the second half of the season at best. Yeah, 93 defensive snaps for Gardeck last year, and he had seven sacks, seven tackles for loss, and 10 quarterback hits. Keep in mind, those were his first defensive snaps of his career. I don't see that number increasing, obviously because he's coming off an injury, but I just think he's one of those situational guys you don't want to push it too much. And I know there's, hey, let's see what he can do with a full load. I just don't know, given his size at six feet, 232 plus. Jeff Rogers doesn't want to lose someone like that on special teams. And he's so valuable on special teams to where, hey, let's find a balance on whether we can utilize Dennis Gardeck to get the most out of someone of his stature and his ability. We know if you're a backup in the NFL, you have to play on special teams. And to me, the fact that he's a special teams player, um, you know, we saw Zeke be the punt protector last year. I think Garda can do that, make the calls. Um, so, but but he, I think what he's proved is he can play in a pinch. You know, if, if your, your star player goes down for a game or a possession or a quarter or two weeks, he can come in there and play. You got to surround him with better players. But He's really cut his niche on special teams. So if you're a backup on this team, but again, you can't count on him because we just don't know how the ACL is going to heal. I know it's not going to be for lack of effort, though. Bird Gang, if you missed last week's Big Red Rage with defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, you can find it in the archives, of course, on azcardinals.com. But I'll go one better. Make sure you never miss an episode of the Big Red Rage or – Cardinals Cover 2, or Cardinals Underground, or the Red Sea Report. All of your favorite shows, you can get them on the go by subscribing to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Just go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. We continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, sticking with our linebacker conversation. But let's go inside, MJ and look at what the Cardinals might do because depth here is perhaps an issue moving forward. Two players that you know of under contract, Jordan Hicks and Isaiah Simmons. You've got three players signed to future contracts, Jamal Carter, Donald Rutledge, and Evan Weaver, the former sixth-round pick a year ago, spent all season on the practice squad. And then you've got Ezekiel Turner, who's a restricted free agent. My guess is that he will be back, hasn't played a lot, on defense, but Devondre Campbell and Tanner Vallejo, those two players are unrestricted. My guess is that Campbell will look for another opportunity elsewhere, and Vallejo might be someone that they bring back for depth and because of his ability to play on special teams. But when you look at the inside linebacker position, it's good to start with a Hicks and a Simmons. So I do think Isaiah Simmons is ready for a full 16-game load as far as, hey, you got your feet wet, you showed some flashes, there were some ups and downs, but now we're going to make you a full-blown starter next to Hicks. You know, you got to give Jordan Hicks a lot of credit. Um, you know, he came in here and he, he's the kind of a voice of reason on defense. He's a signal caller. You know, I do think he's he's uh, logged a lot of snaps. And I think the Cardinals at some point are going to have to try and find someone behind him. Isaiah Simmons is different linebacker, weak side versus strong side linebacker or middle linebacker. But you know, he's played all 16 games, 118 tackles, 11 tackle for losses. Um, so he's like your 
your signal caller out there and he gets everyone lined up and hopefully with, with Watt and a healthy Jordan Phillips and Zach Allen, you know, they're, he's making tackles at the line of scrimmage versus four or five yards down the line of scrimmage. I mean, he only can do what the guys in front of him do. So I like the veteran presence there kind of, uh, it calms things down for the defense. And then I'm just really bullish about Isaiah Simmons. I mean, we saw flashes, you know, I didn't know how strong he was in training camp, just hitting the bags, watching him every day. And I'm going to be looking forward to watching J.J. Watt when he hits those bags um, in training camp just to see the difference. But he was physical on the field, and he's an eraser. He can make a lot of different plays. His natural position is weak side linebacker. Um, he will cover tight ends. That's going to be after some of his role now that if, if Campbell's not on the roster. Um, but he's going to be a three-down linebacker. You know, I always say I want him to rush the quarterback, but there's so many different things you can do with him if J.J. Watt or Chandler's getting double teamed. So I'm really bullish on him. He needs an offseason like a lot of these guys do. He needs a couple preseason games, and he'll he'll play a lot faster. But he he gained confidence last year in a limited role, and they increased his snap total over the second half of the season. A problem solver is what we have heard that Isaiah Simmons can do. And I think we did see glimpses of that last season. You go back to the one big play that stands out and certainly stands out for Simmons as well that I think was a sign of, yeah, I can play in this league. And that was the interception of Russell Wilson in overtime on Sunday night football that allowed the Cardinals to win that contest. Certainly one of the signature moments, not only of Isaiah Simmons's season, but the Cardinals season as well. Don't forget, Simmons also plays and has played well on special teams. He was one of those first guys down the field, not afraid to get his, as Ron Wolfley likes to say, stick his nose in the fan, if you will, not afraid of contact. He finished third on the team in special teams tackles. And you're talking about Dennis Gardak, Ezekiel Turner, guys that made their name on special teams. And when you are a top 10 pick, Sometimes maybe the ego takes a little bit of a blow and say, you know what, we need you here on special teams as opposed to on defense. But I'll give Simmons credit. He took it, ran with it, and said, you know what, I'm not big enough or I am no bigger than anyone else. I'll do what you ask me to do. I do think we'll see him less on special teams this coming season because that means we'll see him more than the 34% that we saw of the total defensive snaps he played last year. He's young, Craig. He can he can do both. Now, <laughs> Just keep throwing thing, him out there. <laughs> hey, the more you can do, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's something. But the reason why he's active on game day, that we weren't talking about him being in, inactive like some of the other draft picks. And when you're not starting and he got a chance to play more when Campbell went down and, and they went with that jet package, um, you know, playing special teams, you, you get a chance to run down the field and hit someone. You know, you're standing on the sidelines. That may not happen for a few plays. And I like what you wrote on our prep sheet here. The next Devin White. Now, the, the, the reason I, I yeah. the reason I brought it up is because I during and I reference this a lot here on Cardinals Cover Two and on other platforms because I just was so impressed by what Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensively did throughout the postseason. And the more you watch Devin White, the more you know people were talking about his speed, his athleticism, and you're looking like well. Is that what Isaiah Simmons potentially could be? Devin White, 6 feet, 237. Simmons, 6'4", 238. White ran a 4'4", 2 at the combine. Simmons, a 4'3", 9. 
Now, you know, what's between the ears and how smart are you on the football field? That is where White certainly has an edge just because of more experience. But based off the measurables, if you will, there's no reason why an Isaiah Simmons can't be the Cardinals' Devin White. The biggest difference is who's, who's playing in front of him. Sue, JPP, Barrett. I mean, uh, Vita Vea. I mean, they're occupying that. And he, he, he scraps up. And he's got a great tutor in Levante David, who's a free agent. I just think when you're six feet and you're 237, you, you can you can you have more a little bit more agility. Isaiah is much taller. Even if he gets 90 percent of Devin White, Devin White, and you're gonna laugh when you hear this, but there are people out there that think when you start looking at a, a young 21, 22 year old, he may be the best inside linebacker in football. And Todd Bowles said not so much as a player. And I told we've talked about this before. The way he attacks the game and is smart is like Ray Lewis getting guys lined up. Now, he's benefited from Levante David. Hopefully, Simmons can benefit from Jordan Hicks. Well, it's good you bring up who are you playing with, who are, have they surrounded you with, because that certainly means, you know, are you how much are you, is a team asking of you? Because if you have to do it all, then that makes it more difficult. But if you have solid teammates around you, then, of course, that maybe you can not freelance, but you can be a little bit more freer in what you – are allowed to do with your athleticism. Certainly, it's something to consider, Bird Gang. Again, I'm not predicting anything, but if you're looking for a comparison, and I do think the Cardinals would love to see Isaiah Simmons be that guy. The only question, and you brought it up as far as you know, the instincts, a Tyron Matthew maybe doesn't have the physical tools, but he makes up for it because he knows where the football is going to go before the football gets there. That is what a good defender does, regardless of where you're playing. It's the anticipation because of your smarts, your film study, knowing what the other team is going to do before they know what they are going to do. You anticipate, not guess. You're anticipating what's going to happen, and that's why you can be there either when the ball arrives or before the ball gets there, and you force that takeaway that, I think, is what we saw a lot of out of the Buccaneers defensively, especially in the postseason. They were well prepared. Now, the Cardinals have to follow suit and be that prepared team to become that next great defense or, for Simmons, that next great inside linebacker. Yeah, and, and when you look at it, I mean, we haven't even focused on, on the Buccaneers' secondary, how, how good they were as a unit You know, after they lost that game. Uh, against the Chiefs um, during the regular season. So, yeah, it's just, you know, Isaiah, he he told Ruddick last year when he came to the sidelines, I can do this, Hassan, I can do this. Well, I think he figured it out real quick. The game's a lot faster. Um, you know, you, you can play nine different positions in college. We're here, they kind of slow played him at inside linebacker. But when when you're reacting and not thinking, you can play a lot faster. And that's and that's watching film. That's what Tyron Matthew did. Is t- you could see White watches a ton of film. Like the guys were mentioning, they don't want to be just good. They want to be great. They want to leave a mark on this game. And you hope he follows that suit because that suit um, because he is the eighth overall pick. And when we look at this draft, you know the only two defensive players were draft higher based on position: Chase Young and Jeff Okuda. So. You know, this is the year. I, I think his second year, when I, we talk about one a year, two. Uh, but again, he needs an offseason. You can say that for every guy. 
He's going to continue to make mistakes, but I do think that they're, depending on what this team does, as far as, you know, last year you added Devondre Campbell before you got Simmons, so you could you could slow play Simmons along. And if there was a mistake made, i.e. week one at San Francisco, then all of a sudden he'd be on the sidelines and you'd see more of Devondre Campbell. But I think this year you would hope that even if he does make a mistake or two, keep him out there. Let him learn from those mistakes. Let him sit there and stew about it on the football field. Not that it's going to cost you a play or two within that set of downs or that series, but you don't punish him, if you will, for taking him out because he made that mistake. And I do think that's what was learned this past season, that you know you gain more of that experience. And then, of course, with that experience comes more confidence in your ability to maintain your spot on the football field. And I, we keep bringing up Devondre Campbell. I don't want to gloss over him, but because I, I do think he served a purpose last year and was a great addition. He bet on himself. He didn't get that long-term deal, but a one-year contract with the Cardinals, I don't know what a market for him is going to be like, but he was certainly a great signing and certainly someone that I think was very productive and a spot the Cardinals desperately needed and then thus allowing Simmons to come along slower and play more later in the season. Well said, because we I just glossed over, you know, we know covering the tight ends was a huge issue. I mean, they had 17, 18 touchdowns a few years ago. And that and we talked to Vance every Thursday. He knew the question was coming. Um, he did a great job. I mean, you, you, again, if you're trying to cover the number one wide receiver and in, in, in the two and you're trying to cover the running back coming out of the flat, there are times tight ends are going to be open. And they weren't as wide open this previous season they were in the, in the two uh, two years ago. So that helped. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, he, we didn't hear from a lot just because we weren't in the locker room, but he, he answered the questions. And I, I thought he brought some physicality to this defense. But, Craig, I was just thinking, though, so when you're the opposing team preparing for the week and then you're quarterback on game day and you're breaking the huddle, uh, where's Chandler Jones? Okay, wow, there's J.J. Watt. Okay, and then – there's Buda Bakers. He's coming down in the box, and we don't know who the corners are, so I don't want to give you names. And then all of a sudden, there's Isaiah Simmons. Oh yeah, this guy's six four. He can he can. If I don't see him over the middle, and again, go back to week one last year. Give Kyle Shanahan credit. He went right after him, but he made he made strides over this course of the year. And I do think he'll be a three down linebacker. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't come off the field like White and some of these guys that have the athleticism to play sideline to sideline. Yeah, you can play him all over the field. And I think as the season progressed, we saw that. And I know they said, no, he's an inside linebacker. But that's what was said. What we saw was him at inside. We saw him at outside. We saw him play a little slot corner, sometimes deep safety. Now, it wasn't a lot of snaps, but still enough to where, hey, we have this tool. How do we best utilize him and his skill set to get the most out of him and help our defense. And you bring up the tight end numbers. Let's give them to you, Bird Gang, because we always magnify the negative and don't really talk about when things get corrected. And the Cardinals certainly did correct that tight end problem, if you will. 74 catches, 808 yards, and three touchdowns. Three TDs tied for the fewest by a tight end as far as looking at the total numbers for the entire season. By comparison, 2019, 96 catches, 1,148 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Some of the worst numbers defensively when trying to cover tight ends 
And yes, we talked about it weekly. I don't think we talked about defending the tight end, but once or twice during the course of last season, MJ, and those were short conversations. Very short. And give Campbell a lot of credit. Um, there's times that Buda Baker get, draws that assignment. Um, I do think that jet package, getting your playmakers on the field, kind of able to mix it up or, or Vance is trying to create pressure. We know close to 40% they blitz, uh, the highest in the NFL. And then on the back end, you know, clearly, you know, they did more production from the corners. And, and then, you know, when you look at uh, Jalen and Deontay Thompson, they just got to stay healthy. And I, I like that pairing with Buda Baker. But, yeah, I'm, you know, Buda Baker, we can go back and look at where he lined up. Very, he played a lot more snaps, so he's going to have more opportunities. Um, but that's two guys where you really just can't pigeonhole in, into their positions. They're positionless less players, Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons. And I don't know if you can have too much of those guys, but the fact that uh, position flexibility is really important if you want to create depth on your roster. Last point as far as inside linebackers are concerned. Yes, there's some free agents out there. Yes, there's some guys that might be available at number 16 that the Cardinals might be interested in. I just don't think that's a real need as far as the draft is concerned, especially at that 16th overall pick. But the three players who signed futures contracts, Jamal Carter, Donald Rutledge, and Evan Weaver. I'll let you talk about Weaver because I know you're bullish on him as well. But Carter and Rutledge are two interesting players for no other reason than this. One, Carter, 28 career games, and he's got familiarity with Vance Joseph. The two are together in Denver in 2017, and Carter is making a move from safety to linebacker, six foot one, 215 pounds. Rutledge is someone who's 6'1", 210, signed with the Colts as a rookie free agent a year ago and was released amongst the final roster cuts. So two players that certainly have the measurables, if you will, the size of an inside linebacker. For Carter, can you make that transition from safety closer to the line of scrimmage, especially inside the box? And then you have Weaver. MJ, there's a reason the Cardinals drafted him in the sixth round. It's just unfortunate it didn't materialize this past season. He was released, brought back, and spent the entire season on the practice squad. Yeah, and they had to make a decision. You probably looked at that 52nd or 53rd guy, and I think they didn't want to expose Eno Benjamin to the waiver wire, so they put him on the 53. He was inactive all year. I, I just like Weaver. I, you know, he's undersized, 6'2", 237. He was the uh, Pac-12 player of the year at Cal. Um, you know, he's just waiting for the opportunity, and, and it had to be hard because, you know, he's kind of been the guy his whole life, and he's, been you know, been counted out. Um, I think he could be a really come special teams player. I think he can add some depth, um, you know, but Carter's interesting, Craig, when you start mentioning him moving um, 215, a um, little bit lighter, but maybe he's a guy that can, you know, do some different things. And when we talk about teams playing a lot of 11 personnel, uh, that means you got to go nickel the majority of the time. So you want to get your playmakers on the field. Can he play in the slot? Um, you know, where he can cover some of those crossing routes in 28 games. And we know Vance, uh, based on some of the Cardinals players they've signed, whether in free agency or have have the interest in, Vance has a voice. And he's not going to go to bat for someone and put his name on the, uh, on, uh, you know, on it and say, well, I'm just doing this because I like the guy. No, he has to be able to come in here and help the football team. And again, it's a futures contract. So you're allowed 90 players in the offseason. So, hey, flood the position because – if you lose some guys at inside or outside linebacker, you're going to have to create some depth. 
And I do like the fact that he does have NFL experience. Well, you look at a D'Amato Petco, Jonathan Joseph, two players that were brought in because of their relationship with Vance Joseph. And yet yeah, works the other way. Someone gets released and you're like, hey, he played with so-and-so or he was coached by so-and-so and nothing materializes. It works both ways. You know them and know maybe why it wouldn't be a great fit. But for Carter, there's a reason why he was signed to a futures contract and is now on this roster and potentially perhaps maybe could find a footing with the Cardinals here in 2021. We'll have to wait and see on that. Bird Gang, if you haven't done so already, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. And a reminder, the free agent tracker, azcardinals.com slash free agency. Keep track of all of the Arizona Cardinals moves. And then, of course, the 28 unrestricted free agents that the Cardinals have, how many of those are retained? And where does a Cardinal potentially move on as far as 2021 is concerned? MJ, final message, final words when we look at this linebacker position post-J.J. Watt. To me, it just doesn't seem to be as much of a necessary need to address here in the offseason because – of one man, and that would be J.J. Watt. I still think, you know, if, if they're able to retain one of the two and, you know, Golden versus Reddick, and again, Reddick's two years younger, he's, he's more of a legitimate pass rusher. Um, I think Golden's more uh, versatile to a standpoint of he could stop the run. Um, you know, di- different practice players, even though they both show up on game day. So I think on paper, depending on what happens with Canard, I think we have an idea what the starters could look like is now what you, what's the depth going to look like at that position. And again, I think they're going to try to get some one-year deals. Right now they only have five draft picks. So the city here and say they would use a draft pick on that would have to wait and see for free agency. But I, I do think you're going to have to create some depth. I, I like where they are with the starters. I do like their two defensive tackles and Lucky Fotu and Richard Lawrence. Uh, I like the development of Zach Allen, but I, I do think when you look at that linebacker, you're going to have to provide more depth. I think they can line up right now with four guys. Now it's a matter of who are the next four guys. And those guys we might not know until later in the offseason when you talk about second, third, fourth wave, and then maybe a time time sign as we get closer and closer to training camp. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.